Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. NBC Sports, Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. Taping this on a Saturday morning. Fangraphs John Taylor is here from New York City. New location, new look. He's got new, new some backdrop. light bumping new, in here. Backdrop. Um, I was going to say, since it's a Saturday, I assume mm-hmm. instead of talking any baseball at all, we're just going to do a full college football rundown, right? That's what I was planning on. I don't know what baseball you were talking about. With Not a lot yeah. of baseball is happening this week. so if No, you... I don't. Look, as we're all aware, the last week has had no baseball, particularly no baseball involving any team you care about. Correct. So, uh, really, there's nothing for us to talk about. No, and... It's let's just let's get into it, John. Um, the Braves lost. Uh, yeah, they did. The Braves lost. Um, you don't have to enjoy it that much. I'm not, there's no enjoy. It's just boy. Yeah, they did. They really whew, they stank up the joint. And there are so many takes flying around. Why? Like and then Braves fans, some Braves fans were mad that Acuna left without talking. And then Jeff Schultz wrote some flames in The Athletic about the leadership uh, void this season with this uh, Atlanta Braves team. Um, there's just, there's so many different takes about what happened. I mean, I went into game four um, pretty certain that the Braves were not winning game four in Philadelphia. It didn't, just didn't feel good. Just didn't seem like this team uh, was trending in the right direction in that regard to get it back to Atlanta and to really figure things out. Um to me, the series ended when Snitker kept Bryce Elder in. 
as long as he did and nobody was warming up and things just got hairy very very quickly and it just felt like the team was pretty defeated when you go down 6-1 um in game three and I just I I don't know that was for me when it looked like oh this was this is going to be a lot for this team to come back from but I mean the Dodgers went down the Astros the only um uh 90 plus game winner still standing uh in this postseason it's hard to really get all that up in arms and I tell like Braves fans too you gotta like consider when you get the buy that you won your first series like it I know it doesn't feel like that but you should that's what it is for all intents and purposes you should treat it that the Braves won three games and then got to this point. Does that make sense? Like, I think that's how yes. you have to look at it because it hurts more. It feels like you just got one and done and you just were upset in the first round. But you weren't. You did get a buy. So you do have to treat it that way. Um, I know that sounds kind of weird, but um, that's how I look at it um, because it just I, it's just that's how you I think you should look at it, especially when you're uh, eliminated. But look, it's the baseball postseason. This is what Rob Manfred and the owners want. They want more um more uh upsets they want different teams advancing now the astros they just uh, want more, they want more baseball and the, yeah. the inevitable byproduct of having more rounds and particularly a bigger postseason tournament more game, is stuff like this happens mm. this is this is just how the postseason operates upsets happen you, it, it's rare i think to get a, a chalk final four yeah in baseball in particular so We'll start with uh, the Braves. Were they your biggest surprise division series exit? Was it the Dodgers? Was it uh, the Orioles getting swept? Like, who, th- what was your biggest upset? I think it's the Dodgers. And for hmm. for as much as... Uh, so I guess th- there are a couple ways to look at it. For me, with the Dodgers is... we Going into that series, we knew, okay, this the starting pitching for this team is not in good shape. Hmm. Um, Clayton Kershaw is, is clearly not fully Clayton Kershaw, as he very much demonstrated in his abominable game one start. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of depth behind them. You know, Bobby Miller, then followed by Lance Lynn because of all the injuries they've had to go through. Um, I think there were probably some questions as to, you know, the, the, the you know, what portions of this lineup are going to be there. But I think the understanding was, listen, it, you know, as long as they get anything at all out of their lineup and even one half decent start, they mm-hmm. probably should be able to beat Arizona, which is, was just a, a worse team over the course of the season. But boy, that that series that was, and all all credit to the Diamondbacks who played very very well. They had a great series. They you know they they were on top of everything. That might be the worst baseball the Dodgers have played all season, hmm. and it just happened to come at that time. And that to me is kind of is is I think a little more surprising because I think with with Atlanta and with Philadelphia, and, and I said it before the before the postseason started. I thought Atlanta or sorry Philadelphia was really well positioned to be the team to knock Atlanta off if it came to that. The mm. team that had a similarly strong lineup that could basically match them run for run if need be, if not put runs on them first and make the Braves play catch up. That had two uh, very good starters on top of the rotation that could, you know, were pretty good bets to give you at minimum five or six innings and and let you avoid the kind of problem parts of the Phillies bullpen, get you straight into the high leverage guys. That had a good high leverage portion of the bullpen uh, where you're not just relying on one guy to get nine outs or whatever. You know, you mm. have a fair number of guys in Alvarado and Hoffman and uh, even in Greg Kimbrell nowadays um, to get you through that just... And also in particular, and I know this is going into the intangible section, the vibes of that Phillies team are just perpetually like, we'll beat anybody, we don't care. They're not mm. intimidated by anyone. 
they're not, you know, there you don't get this sense of. Or better said, the sense you get as a team that is just completely united in one goal and that is just having a very good time the whole time. To say nothing of the insane home field advantage that is Citizens Bank Park at this point. I think it's the Phillies are now twenty six and eleven there in the postseason since that stadium was built. That that's obscene. Mm. That is. You know, that fan base, that crowd, that energy that they very clearly feed off of, it's really hard for anyone to beat that. Um, so I, I, I don't think Philly, and, and I think the, the major thing here is that same Philly team beat this same Atlanta team, more or less, last year in similar fashion. You know, the Phillies had already shown they not only could it be done, but they'd already done it. So to me, I think the Dodgers one was more surprising, especially the way that it happened for the Dodgers. The, the Dodgers didn't put up any fight. Yeah. in that series whatsoever. They were down multiple runs, I think, from the start of every game, never really looked at all competitive, um, played just terribly. I think Dave Roberts had a pretty bad series managerially. I know there was only so much you can really do when his starters are giving him five or six outs, and then that's it. You know, when you've got one starter doesn't make it out of the first, another starter doesn't make it out of the second, like your best starter is Lance Lynn, and he gives up four home runs in one inning. Like, yeah, there's not a whole lot you can do about that. But I, I, the the way the Dodgers played was just absolutely terrible. It's maybe you know it might be one of the worst postseason series they've ever played, and that but, to me, I I can see I you know I, I don't think it was obviously Arizona obviously had a chance to win that series even going into it with knowing knowing what we knew. To me, it was more just seeing how poorly the Dodgers played. Hmm. You know, I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, I also wasn't expecting an Arizona win, but there we go. I, but I think I, I felt a lot more the Philly Atlanta result felt more like no that 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 makes sense to me I could see that happening. You just kind of feel like they own you, like it's one of those back to back. They just they are completely in the Braves' head. In particular, too, because the things we talked about with the Braves that looked like problems, especially like you said, you know, two out of these four games, or I guess they, I mean they went with Spencer Strider on short rest in Game Four because they had no other choice, but. They had it to wasn't start... the problem. He was totally fine. No, they had to start Bryce Elder in game three, and we all knew that was going to be a problem going in, and it very much was. Yep. And uh, beyond that, they got a great outing out of Strider in game one. They got a good outing out of... Uh, a mostly good outing out of... Or I wouldn't say a good outing out of Freed. They got an acceptable outing out of Freed, but I think either way, four innings, didn't seem to have a whole lot of control of his stuff. Mm. I think, but I think that was the thing when we talked about Atlanta. The worry was, do they have enough starting pitching to make this work? And the answer was, no. They had yeah. Max Freed coming off both this blister and uh, the shoulder injury that had kept him out most of the season, um, that very clearly affected him throughout. And you could tell, uh, you could tell just throughout that start, he was not a hundred percent. He did not really have that curveball command that mm -hmm. he needs to be successful. And then Elder, and I, I know no one was really expecting, I think Bryce Elder to do much of anything there, but. That was going to be a real problem. Well, hold on. The there Braves. was someone who thought he was going to do something. That someone was Brian Snitker because he yeah. was surprised that uh, it went the way it did that quickly. I don't really understand the strategy with Elder. And, and this is maybe like nitpicking of such, but I would have figured that the strategy with Elder would have been get one time through the lineup with him. The mm. second, the second things start to go wrong the second time through, you pull him. Yeah. Or you just make the plan that you get him one time through the lineup and then you have either Alan Winnins or uh, did Darius Vines make the NLCS ro or the NLDS roster? Yes. Okay. One of those guys, ideally, maybe you try to get them one time through the or at least 
six batters through, I don't know, depending on handedness, or you just start deploying your handedness relievers that second time through the order and figure it out from there. Like, I know, you know, no point did Atlanta really have any, ever any big lead to work with. And some of this too is, you know, similarly with the Dodgers, where they got nothing out of Mookie Betts and nothing out of Freddie Freeman, the, Dod- the Braves got nothing out of Ronald Acuna, nothing out of Matt Olson, uh, almost nothing out of Austin Riley, except for the game two home run, almost nothing out of Ozzie Albies, almost nothing out of Marcelo Zuna. You know, they're really was literally not, nothing out of Michael Harris, nothing out of Michael Harris. Like they needed far more from really anyone. And like yeah. these things happen in a three game series, Ronald Acuna can go two for 25 or, or whatever, not two for 25, two for 17 or whatever it yeah. is he went in those three games that happens. But Again, similar to the Dodgers, like that team, particularly with this, with the the lack of starting pitching depth they had, was not going anywhere unless the offense was comfortably giving them five runs a game, and that just didn't happen. But I, I don't think Snicker helped himself by doing stuff like, oh, let's just see how long Bryce Elder can go. It's like that that is not a guy you give a long rope to, a guy who doesn't have strikeout stuff, who's not a hard thrower, is not his pitch poorly over the course of the second half. Would on, was only starting this game because Charlie Morton was not available, and I think in an ideal world, the Braves would have never had him pitching in the postseason in the first place. I I, I don't really understand that on Snickers' part. I, I don't really understand the desire to try to get to steal outs with Bryce Elder when when that is the visible downside, is him hanging a ball to Bryce Harper, that Bryce Harper subsequently hits 300,000 feet. So, look, I... I, I I don't understand that, but on the at the same time, like to me, that series is more about Philly just being the better team versus Arizona and and the Dodgers. That to me is the Dodgers just falling flat on their faces. Arizona played really well. That's the you know again to take nothing away from them, but the Dodgers are still the better team every time through. But they, that's the thing about this postseason. It's not about who the best team is. It's about who the hottest team essentially is, who can, you know, who can play the best within that short span of time. The postseason is not about determining the best, the best team in the, in the majors. The regular season determines the best team in the majors. And the best team in the major leagues this season was the Atlanta Braves. But that doesn't mean they're going to necessarily going to win a championship because a short, for, uh, a short format tournament just does not reward the same. Better said, does not necessarily doesn't reward the same things that make you a great regular season team but introduces particular obstacles like, hey, your whole season might come down to three games or four mm. games or whatever it happens to be. And your star might just go completely quiet during those four games because that'll happen. There'll be, I'm sure you could go back and find a three or four game stretch in the regular season where Ronald Acuna hit two for 17 or something like that. It happens. And this just happened to be the roll of the dice this time around, which again, to take nothing away, especially in this case from Phillies pitchers who clearly had a plan of attack for Acuna that they executed very, very well. I don't think he hit a single ball hard aside from uh, the fly ball off Kimbrel that Johan Rojas briefly seemed to lose and then catch back up with it. Admittedly, off the bat, I thought, oh, that's a that's a, like a bases-clearing double off his bat uh, in game four, but didn't come to pass. You know, I, I, I'm just not horribly surprised at the result. And this is coming from someone who, in his uh, postseason picks, admittedly with like zero real thought putting into them because you should never put that much effort into postseason picks had mm. an Atlanta Baltimore World Series. So and I think similarly with Baltimore, no real surprise there. Texas was a really good team all season that just had a bad uh last month of the year that landed them in a wild card spot. I think similar to the Phillies last year, a better team than their playoff seeding would suggest. And uh, worth remind worth remembering too that the similar issue with ba- Baltimore's issue, similar to Atlanta, similar to Los Angeles the lack of starting pitching depth, 
going up against a really good offense in Texas uh, that in retrospect, Texas's rotation with Montgomery, particularly with Montgomery and with uh, Nate Yavaldi in better shape, I think than what Baltimore was throwing out there. So I don't, I don't really feel like any of those were necessarily, I think the Dodgers were the biggest surprise, but again, I think that's just because of how poorly they played uh, to get to end up where they did, which is swept by Arizona. How did the Astros keep making the ALCS? Seven straight, John. How do they keep doing this? It's a combination of a lineup that is just brutal to face every time. I mean, Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Tucker. Uh, it helps that Jose Abreu woke up a little bit. He really hadn't mm. been hitting all season. And, and fortuitously for the Astros, he picked it up at the time when they needed. Um, good starting pitching in the combination of, in this in this series, Verlander, Urquidy, uh, Framber Valdez and Christian Javier. Javier, I think, you know, is more effectively wild than great in his start. That's a good call. Framber, Framber just did not have a good game to start. But either way, like this is the Astros have solid starting pitching. They have a very deep lineup that is very, that's not really platoon vulnerable or, or handedness vulnerable. And they have really, really good high leverage options in their bullpen. Brian Abreu, who hasn't allowed in run since July. Ryan Presley, who's been fantastic. You know, the, the Astros just have all the pieces that work for postseason baseball to go along with the fact. And, and I think this is really important, too. That team has been there so many times by that point, particularly the core guys like Altuve, Bregman, Verlander now at this point, uh, Alvarez. This, this stuff doesn't phase them. You can tell that they just do not get, you know, they don't get phased by being in the postseason, by being in these difficult environments, by being in situations where they're their backs are necessarily against the wall. I mean, granted, their backs were never against the wall at any point last postseason. They went through the entire American League without losing once. Um, I think the only point was they were down 2-1 in the World Series to the Phillies and, and managed to come back from that. You know, this is a battle-tested group. This is a, a group of guys who just, you know, do, is not afraid of these situations. And I think that's something huge, too. I think you see it similarly with the Phillies, who had that run last year, went through the gauntlet, and I think came out of it feeling like, hey, even though we didn't win, we we proved we belong here. They you know they were they they were mentally tough. So I think I, I think that's a big part of it for Houston. I think the other part for Houston too is that uh, they really are the class of the AL because the other choice. I mean the other option is you know you look at the rest of the AL. You had a Baltimore team that was very good, but now in in retrospect kind of feels like maybe they got here a little ahead of schedule. Maybe they weren't fully ready for this. A Twins team that was also again good, but certainly not a world beater by any stretch. We'll see what Texas can do. Um, but obviously it was kind of a down year for, I think, what the, what the expected group of AL contenders otherwise would have been. The Yankees, mm. the Red Sox, uh, the Blue Jays were kind of weak. The Rays, by the time they got to the postseason, were in pretty dire shape, as we've talked about roster-wise, because of all the injuries they'd suffered. Um, you know, and, and I think you could make that case that, you know, that at least in the AL side of things, this is probably what the ALCS should have been, is the Astros, who are always good, mm. and a Rangers team that for a large chunk of the season was the best team in the American League yeah. and has shown that same has shown that same form throughout the postseason so far. So I think that also has benefited Houston is that, you know, especially in recent years, they they just have been the best team in the American League and they've managed to make that work through the rest of the through the rest of the postseason. And again, I think, like I've said, their team is well constructed for the postseason. I think their team is mentally uh, very well prepared for the postseason, uh, not just prepared, but just, you know, uh, fortified against the postseason. You know, and I think, look, it's 
what they've done is amazing. Seven straight ALCS. I think it's never been done uh, in major league history, as far as I can, at least in the uh, the post expansion era, slash particularly in the wild card era. Once we got rid of you know best team, or once we introduced the division series, which mm. was eighty, whatever it was. It's in in the era of ex- of expanded playoff rounds. This has never been done before. It's it's really impressive what the Astros have done. Um, they're, they're just such a well-built team. That's just the reality of it. They're such a well-built team, such a well, like, and such a mentally tough, strong team that I think those two things just go really well hand in hand for this. Yeah. Is the Astros the favorite now to win, to win it all the four, or do you have someone else? Do you think it, no matter what is coming out of the AL? That's mm, tough. I mean, again, you, you look at the way the Phillies have played and, and I think particularly with the Phillies, if the Aaron Nola we've got through the wild card round and the division series continues to be the Aaron Nola we get going forward, then the Phillies are probably going to win the World Series because that is, they are really well set up. Um, great lineup, good bullpen, uh, those top two starters. Ranger Suarez showed that he can, you, you can trust him to get through two, at least two times through the order without an issue. Um, we didn't have to see necessarily what their uh, longer series plan was, given that they. Uh, you know, they didn't need a four starter for that series. It just went Suarez, Wheeler, Nola, Suarez again. Um, but Christopher Sanchez is a, is a great option, I think, to get through a lineup once or twice. I, I really, I mean, it's it's kind of easy to fall onto the bandwagon, so to speak, and to, to just kind of roll with the the production we've seen. But boy, the, I, I really like what the Phillies are doing. I really, really, you know, I, I I'm kind, I think I'm kind of a red October believer at this point. You know, they, hmm. they. Especially too, if if the if the Diamondbacks or whoever wins the AL is stupid enough to do something like I don't know, even mildly taunt Bryce Harper and just turn him into like, so why it's it's similar I think to, to to the way LeBron would react to slights, where it's just like why would you piss him off? Why would mm. you ever do anything to mess with him to try to get in his head? He's a super competitor. He thrives off this stuff. Bryce Harper is one of the premier among all sports. Uh, to borrow a phrase from our crazy mayor, Eric Adams, who turns his, uh, what is it, his waiters into haters, like or whatever it is, he thrives off his haters. He, mm. he bathes in that stuff. He loves when you trash talk him. He loves when you when you when you suggest he's not good enough. That's the fuel he just he 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 just that that burns inside of him at all times. So to say, and I don't know, I, I don't I, I don't know if we were going to get into it, but the whole Orlando Arcia thing. Boy, man, what what was what what are the Braves doing? Well, the what worst the was Braves the dance, the, the like turning around and Acuna having to like keep his head yeah. uh, facing forward. That was a rough look. Even even just if you're Orlando Arcia and you're you're, you're talking shit, which look, I I have I don't think anyone has a problem with Orlando Arcia talking shit. Talk shit, like by all means, this is it's like it's a competitive sport. Talk shit, no one's gonna get on your case for talking shit. But when you get it served back into your face like that. Mm. The this the to me the response isn't to get all defensive and surly and be like oh that should have stayed in the clubhouse and we're own it own it you you got you got called out own it yeah you know what the response is there hey man he's a great player you know he really shut us up that's how it goes we'll get at him tomorrow that's all you got to say and then it's no longer a story at all nobody cares anymore if you just sit there and be like yep he got us we'll get yeah. him next time. Or you're already having a terrible series anyway. The second time Bryce is jogging around, and look, I like Bryce, and 
but <laughs> noted Knoxville resident and VFL Bryce Harper. Uh, but I think I probably would have like, like you can't just look away, look down as he's trotting, staring you down and you're just losing all momentum and confidence in yourself. It's the postseason. You got to go up. I'm not saying you get in a fight, but I'm saying you have to you have to go up and get in his face like, you know, it's happening and he can't keep you're another professional. You can't just take that kind of owning back to back. You have to do something. You've got to do something about it. It, it, You've got to own up to it, at least in the sense of like you said, you either keep owning like, yeah, what what about it? Or you admit afterward, hey, he got us. And that's how it works. You know, I would prefer the former. I would prefer him yeah. just get up and then like because then you don't know how Harper is going to respond. What if Harper shoves you or something and then Harper gets tossed Then you're like, all right, we did it. Mission accomplished. Like Arcia, take one for the team. Get Harper out of here. I just what I don't get is how Orlando Arcia has never heard or understood the sage advice of uh, Leicester City striker Jamie Vardy, mm. a noted uh, trash talker in the Premier League, but who operates under a very simple rule. Chat shit, get banged. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you talk, you better be ready to walk too, because that's how it's supposed to be. Well, the thing don't, is, don't don't it was talk blown shit out of proportion. Then, like this was even like hardcore. Like all it was was Attaboy Harper. Like that's not. And even that's the other like, part of it. It's not even like a, it's not even like he, he said. It's like oh, Bryce Harper's mom is a is a whoa 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 whatever. whoa 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 whoa. Yeah, we're we're not bringing moms <laughs> into this. It's just it's relatively tame trash talk. And if you can't yeah. even back that up or sit there and be like, yeah, he got us on that. Like then you shouldn't be talking the trash in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't sit there and be like, oh, I'm supposed to stay in the clubhouse. Don't get don't come on that. That's just don't welch on your own trash talk and then blame it on somebody else. That is just that's the kind of thing that makes you wonder about that team. Where it's like, what is going on here? Like, what is the did this Braves team really just assume that the rest of the playoff field was just going to like clear away and bow before them and let them just walk to a World Series because they won the most games in the regular season? Was that just the expectation? Because it really feels like the second. They got that they got any sort of opposition. The second the Phillies just popped them in the nose, that was it. That they were not at all ready or expect ready for or expecting any team to give them any kind of fight. Despite the fact that the same Phillies team threw them in the garbage a year ago, they still have that same apparent mentality or mindset of like they're not allowed to fight back. We're the number one seed. What the hell? To, to, to say nothing about all the whining. Granted, not coming from the Braves, I, you know that that's. Not from the players, but from particularly Braves media, which really had a bad week for itself about mm. how, well, what if being the number one seed is actually unfair? What if it's actually a competitive disadvantage? Shut the hell up with that. Like you said, it's like you won your it's like you won the first round you played in. Mm. What, what, what more do you want as the number one seed beyond you don't have to play extra games and you get home field advantage? Can we at least say other, one thing? Should the other team have to start with a loss on its record already, too? Come on now. I mean, it'd be more than fair with Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> I will say, as someone who watched the Tennessee Volunteers, the best college baseball team of all time, go down in the uh, Super Regionals t- uh, last year, you're just like, baseball is really cruel. And it's a different kind of cruel because these fans spend so much time with their team being the best team in the in the country. Like, that's something that I think hurts more is that it's not like football. It's not even like basketball where there's so many more games yeah. and it has been you've spent so much more time and energy in watching this team be the best team in the sport and to for 162 games to just really feel like they mean nothing and 100 in the final four games means so much more it just you're like 
God. Like, th- it doesn't feel the same when you lose to the Marlins late in the season and you're like, well, that's a little weird. What's, uh, what's going on and there? that's true. It's like the, the there is a huge disconnect in terms of what the regular season means and, yeah. and the value of it versus what the postseason means and the value of that. Because, again, the postseason is not about rewarding the best team in baseball. Yeah. That's what the regular season is for. And that's hard reg- for any fan to come to grips with. Of course. And, and that's the thing. I'm not saying that Braves fans should be sitting there being like, well, we won 100 games, though, so in the end it all evens out. No, you want a trophy at the end of that, too. But that's just not how the game operates at this point. That's how it used to be when the two best teams and when the best team in each league would just automatically go to the World Series. And that was that. They just won the pennant mm-hmm. by virtue of having the most wins. But we're not going back to that. that we're never going back to that. The, the playoff format as it exists is here to stay because that is the format that makes Major League Baseball the most money. You know, because like you said, Rob Manfred wants multiple teams. He wants new teams. He wants upsets like these things are all good for not just the competitive balance and parity of the league, but also for its financial success and future. That's mm. just how it's going to be. You know, and, and again, I'm not trying to say, oh, Braves fans, you should just be happy with your NL, with your umpteenth NL East title. Like, no, nobody, nobody in Atlanta is going to feel like this was necessarily a satisfying season because of that. And the way that this team went out is going to leave a really sour taste for for the great majority of Braves fans, I would imagine. Like, especially having it happen two years in a row. That stinks. Mm. That's a really rough way to go out. But... It's also just baseball. Like that's just part. Like you have to go into every postseason. Like, look, man, this is not a postseason designed for the best team to win every year. It's it's designed for the team that gets hot or that has the best, essentially the best short format constructed roster. The Braves won their only World Series this decade with an eighty-eight win team. Like the the, the one was talking about it this week where he was like, I mean, our best team didn't win. Like we weren't the best team. That's also my my part of the the, the complaining that I don't understand. Both the idea that do you do you all remember that the Braves won (laughs) as a wild card team Mm -hmm. and the fact that you all remember that Houston was the number one seed in the American League last year and didn't lose a single game in the American League side of the playoffs until the World Series. Mm. Like it's it's it doesn't make any sense. How can you complain that it's not fair for the. Number one, it's not fair for the number one seed not to have to play games. The whole point of being the number one seed is you don't have to play games. Well, also, that's it is not fair, fair when the Braves win. Thank you, John. <laughs> but it's like you just saw last year the team that was in your exact same position get through their half of the their half of the bracket with no problems whatsoever. Mm. So how what 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 makes it unfair then in your mind? Just the fact that your team didn't do it? Yes. I, and I You're starting to get it. <laughs> I am Thank ready you, to join the Atlanta Journal Constitution as their new Braves beat writer. Thank you. Uh, and look, I, again, I understand Braves fans. Well, it's also Braves... just like I think every Braves fan. I would have pulled him aside and be like, "Have you looked at the rotation right now? This rotation is not it making it through the gauntlet. Like, do you, would would you, would you feel better losing the Diamondbacks and the NLCS, or would you feel be- like in the grand scheme of things, this rotation like just didn't have it? Like, you did not have the the horses to get through a whole no, postseason I... run. And I think Dodgers fans probably feel similarly, where it's like, yeah. look at that, ro- look at that rotation the way it is now, like coming into the postseason. In retrospect, even at the moment, it's like, do you really think this rotation is going to be the one to win a World Series? Yeah. Broken Clayton Kershaw, Lance Lynn giving up home runs every other pitch, like. Bobby it doesn't Miller. matter how good Mookie or Freddie is or anybody. Like you're just, it's not sustainable. You're just not going to be able to do it. Yeah, and I thought that the thing that would have advantaged advantaged the Braves. Is that well? You have Spencer Strider, and that alone is gonna is gonna take you is gonna take you far. And as we yep. noted, Spencer Strider made two he really was great good in both starts, starts in the division series. Mm-hmm. He was great in his game one start. 
And he was very good in his game four start on short rest, no less. Mm. You know, he just happened to run into literally Nick Castellanos two times. Yeah. And and Trey Turner and both solo though. If you want to give them up, it's not like they were backbreakers. It wasn't like the the Bryce Elder backbreakers uh, or Michael Tonkin combination. It was solos, and he kept rode, he kept riding. Yeah, that's the thing. Spencer Strider kept the Braves in that game uh, throughout. Mm-hmm. It's but to me, it's like you said. It's like but the rest of that rotation, uh, a compromise Max Fre- Max Freed, sorry, uh, Bryce Elder, uh, you know, incapable of getting through the lineup twice. What was I mean? What was the Braves' plan for, for say the uh for game four of the of the NLCS? Who was it going to be? Game like five. If you're, man. if you're a Braves fan, you're thinking, oh, we should go to the NLCS. Who was going to pitch game four of the NLCS for you? You mean five or game? Uh, well, no, because game if Strider had started game one, I don't know if it would have lined up exactly. But no, Strider started game four. For of the DS, but I don't think he would have started game four of the CS because oh, you're talking about the CS. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah I no sorry, idea. I meant um, yeah. No, the, the plan for game five of the DS for Atlanta probably would have been freed on short rest. I mean, look, probably, that, but that's kind of the other yeah. thing. It's like, okay, you win game four. What are you doing for game five? Okay, you yeah. win game five. What are you doing for the NLCS? Yeah. You know, it, it, either one way or the other, that rotation was going to become a problem. The only yes. way the Braves were going to get through this world, we're going to get through this postseason, was if that offense was clicking on all cylinders the whole time through. And it didn't for three games, in part because they ran into two really good pitchers in Aaron, in Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler, which is also the kind of stuff that happens in the postseason. I mean, again, with, with regards to the fairness, it's like, are you like, should the Phillies not be allowed to start one of those guys? I'm, I'm assuming you're going to say yes here. I mean, you know my answer, John. But it, it's it's just funny. Like I saw earlier today on Twitter, uh, Travis Sochik, who writes for the Score, uh, talking a bit about how you know the idea of you know the the rust of the kind of multi day layoff if you're the number one seed waiting for the, you know, waiting to face your, your division series opponent. And the idea that maybe the, the, you know, tweak that could be made is, um, or at least for the, or a tweak that could be made is some kind of a, a, a ghost win, where it's basically the, the, the higher seed only has to win two games, but the, the lower seed has to win three in order to advance or something along those lines, which Look, I understand we're just throwing ideas out there and it's it's silly season, whatever, but it's like we don't need this. We can just play these games. It doesn't, this is not this, it's not that serious. Like it's just not that serious. Particularly also for Braves fans, and I know you know you you hate to see your team end a season this way. You just won the World Series two years ago. This is this is not the Mariners. This is not the Red Sox in the middle of their drought. This is not the Cubs. You know, the, their first World Series in a hundred years. You just won it two years ago. You you can, if you think not even particularly hard, you can remember that's those series and watching them. The same guys, a lot of the same guys who were on this current team were on that team. They already have World Series rings. I know you want to see your team win every season. I know you want the the game to be essentially so that your team has all the advantages but you were given the advantage of being the number one seed and getting the first round off. That mm. is the advantage. Like, what more do you want at a certain point? You gotta play the. You gotta play the games. It's like, does any Braves fan who watched the Braves play this series think that they deserve to move on anyway, given the way they played? I, I mean, no. Not. Like, that's kind of the other thing. It's like you, you watch the Phillies. Like, the Phillies were the better team. They were the better team in that series, flat out, yeah. straight up. They're the ones who deserve to move on. Doesn't matter what their seating is. Well. There you go, John. Um, What can the good folks check out from you and the team over at Fangraphs.com this week? 
So we are going to be running, uh, we already have an ALCS preview out now looking at Houston and Texas. Fun fact, this is the first time that the Astros and Rangers have ever met in the postseason, uh, which not actually all that weird given that the Rangers weren't really a thing for the postseason until like the 90s and the Astros had moved to the AL until 2013. But mm. regardless, still a thing. We have our ALCS preview up now from Dan Saborski. Jay Jaffe will have his NLCS preview of the Phillies and Diamondbacks uh, running on Monday. Uh, beyond that, we'll have obviously all our game recaps off the games that are coming. We're continuing to run our managerial report cards for the managers who have of the teams that have been knocked out. So right now, we've got one out for Brandon Hyde on the AL side, one for Rocco Baldelli coming up. We'll look at the, the moves that Brian Snitker and Dave Roberts made. I assume those are going to be uh very very uh i'm sure i'm sure the comment sections for those will be very very just orderly and calm mm-hmm. um we've got tess teruskin's going to write something on the sweeper if you've been listening to the broadcasts uh you know that there's been a lot of sweeper talk it's been the pitch of the mm-hmm. last year or two of baseball so that's coming up uh but beyond that like i said we'll have our game recaps you should if you're curious to see how the cs's play out just in terms of of the projections, check out our Zips postseason game by game odds. Those have been updated with the ALCS and NLCS matchups. I could tell you right now that the favorites, well, I would be able to tell you what the favorites are, but the Fangraph site has chosen this exact moment to be slow and non-responsive. So the the the, the drama or the the what's that, what am I trying to say? The it's on you now. You have to go to the Fangraphs website. You have to mm. do your own work. I'm not your I'm not your nanny. I'm not going to do this. Get work the app. For it's you. easy. Get the app, download the Fangraphs app. It's free. It's got everything on it. While you're mm-hmm. there, become a Fangraphs member. Support all the cool work we do. $10 a month or $60 a year gets you ad-free browsing plus a lot of other cool perks. And yeah, keep on coming to Fangraphs while we cover the postseason because Fangraphs is where postseason baseball dues does is done, where we do it. That's right. John Taylor. Yes. Thank you. Thank you as always. And I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.